All right, let's do this. Okay. One, two, three. Ma, wa, wa, one, two, three. (laughs) 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 Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast brought to you live from the third floor of the Witches of the Coast building in Renton, New York. Wait, no. (laughs) That just came out. Oh, that would be cute. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Grace. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Okay. I like the ampersands. We have ampersands. So oh, many sorry. of them all over the, the place. Audio people don't know that. They are red and silver. And uh, if you want to see them, you can go to twitch.tv slash yeah, D&D to cool. see them. Uh, but we are here. It is the <sighs> amazing stuff has been going on in Dungeons and Dragons land. So much. So much. Uh, what are some of those things, Shelly? Well. What's going on in your world? I'm really excited for yeah. Friday. Yes. I know By the time people listen to this on the audio version, it'll be still news, but not fresh news. You'll know the news. You'll know the news. Before it actually happens. But on Friday, oh my God, my heart just started beating a lot when I just Friday is November 17th. November 17th at PAX Unplugged. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast president, Chris Cox, is doing a kind of like, it's not called the keynote, but it's the, he's doing an hour long talk Mm -hmm. in the main theater. And he might have some exciting news about some new a new game. I'm gonna definitely say he's got some exciting news. I know he does about uh, an so Hill many game. things. Yeah. What Avalon Hill game? It's an Avalon Hill game. Whoa, wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. I thought it was all gonna be Dungeons and Dragons. No. <laughs> Sorry. Dang it. Well, that's pretty exciting. Maybe. So uh, there might be some D and D fresh news in there. You guys listening will know this news and be able to discuss it amongst your friends. But we're excited right now. You get to hear what it's like, our excitement as it leads up it's to this. So exciting! Yeah, because we got some other stuff going on at Panics Unplugged. Uh, so dice camera action. Uh, yeah. The Waffle Crew. All four of them are going to be performing live an episode. Uh, in the same place? In the same place. I think it's going to be episode 68. I that's going to be weird for them. In Philadelphia at PAX Unplugged. It'll be pretty cool. Um, and then in addition to uh, the, this Tuesday, uh, they're also going to have an episode. So we got lots of stuff going Double. on. Plus, Chris Perkins is also going to be Dungeon Mastering something on Saturday. The but Acquisitions some, oh, so Incorporated. We're not telling people? We're That's telling what it people. is. Okay. Yeah. 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Cool. Uh, both those games. But then also what's going on this weekend is Forrest Gray lost, uh, survived the tomb. a lot of D&D. Uh, in Brooklyn, New York, in Villain uh, 307 Kent Avenue, my, one of my old neighborhoods uh, where I used to live. You can break into my old apartment. Cool. The yeah. people who live there won't they mind. Won't, they won't see it. My brother actually sent me listings. He's like, is this your apartment? It's up for sale. You know, it's up for rent. I'm like, oh, my God. How probably... much does it rent for now? They actually, it's not listed right now, so there was no price, but oh. they renovated it. And I'm like, pissed because it's like we had a Yeah, Brooklyn ganky... is all a whole new world I now. Know, right? We had Since a ganky-ass kitchen and a, and a terrible yeah. bathroom, and they all are amazing now. Were you in Brooklyn when people didn't want to live in Brooklyn? Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I was. I lived there when it was hard to get a cab driver to drive you to Brooklyn. Yeah. I remember that episode of Sex in the City. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was me. I was exactly uh, Carrie. Is that her name? Yeah. Oh. Well, it's Miranda who moved to Brooklyn. Oh, but Carrie. She's the uh, she's the pretentious one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lawyer. Oh, yeah. I see. I thought that was a joke because I meant I thought they were all pretentious. Oh, ha! <laughs> no, she was. She was a little bit more pretentious than the others. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Parzavalran three one four. I am going to give you a shout out because you're a good person for watching us live on Twitch.tv/dnd. 
That's right. Uh, but also, uh, so yeah, Force Gray uh, is going to be performing live in Brooklyn there. That's uh, amazing. If you are in town uh, in the New York area, you can still get tickets uh, and uh, go do that. But then, of course, it'll be on video on demand on the Twitch channel uh, for when you get to hear this on the podcast form. It is basically the capper, the season finale of uh, Force Gray, Lost City of Omu. Uh, Joe Manganiello is going to be there. It's the Deborah, season finale? The season finale, yeah. No, it's who else? Deborah Ann Wall, we talked to her. She's going to be on there. Dylan Sprouse is going to be there. Utkar Shambudkar is going to be there. And Marisha Ray is going to be there. Nuh-uh. Almost all of them have been former guests of here on Dragon Talk. Isn't that well, amazing? We get the good guests. We get the good guests. Plus Matt Mercer is also going to be there. Making it all happen. Yep. There will be amazing uh, uh, sets uh, provided by uh, Stefan Picorni from the Dwarven Forge, who we also <gasps> we spoke to, to him on the podcast. Yeah, everything's all coming together. He's making the sets? Well, he's he's using his Dwarven Forge pieces to yeah. create the maps uh, that they might be going Oh, down. that's amazing. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so uh, definitely watch that video on demand. I think we'll have it up on our, uh, our Twitch channel as well as our YouTube channel uh, when, when we can. It should be pretty, pretty that's amazing. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, also, thank you so much for participating in, in Extra Life. Those of you who watched and or donated, we really appreciate it. All those proceeds uh, are going towards the kids, towards the kids mm-hmm. at Seattle Children's Hospital and children's hospitals all around the world. You know, my mom donated. Your mom is a good person. Hundred bucks. Wow. I know. What did she donate? Did she get to change the game at all? No, she didn't understand like what the things Bart was asking uh, for. She was just like, Bart said he needed $150 to make a goal. But I only gave him 100 <laughs> Well, you got to make him work. That's a step. It's a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. for and sure. And then she watched the segment that you and Bart and Quinn were all on. Oh, yeah. that's cute. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah, he was adorable. He was a little shy. He was a good guy. Just good. Yeah. You get like, two speeds from him. It's either poop or shyness. Shyness, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's a new thing being in front of the cameras and the mm-hmm. lights. I had to convince you to do it. You exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, but thank you so much to for everyone who donated. We blew through our goal for Wizards of the Coast uh, this year. Uh, I think we're the number three team That's uh, who don't who, who raised money for Extra Life, which is awesome. Uh, and it's, it's still going. It still goes to the end of uh, 2018. So you can still to the donate. End of 2018. Sorry, 2017. I've been thinking so much about the future of 2018. Well, we'll do it again in 2018. Exactly. We will t- and we're going to start that way earlier, uh, uh, too. Uh, but you can still donate for 2017 uh, by the Tortle package on the DMsGuild.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's how you can play as a, a, a Tortle. It's Adventurers League legal. You can do that. That's 10 bucks. It's a free PDF. A free, free PDF. <laughs> a freely distributed uh, PDF for, for 10 bucks. Or you can get the one grung above, which is $5 as well. Uh, so you can get content as a donation, which is pretty Pretty darn cool. That is cool. Uh, I think you're too late to buy T-shirts, but uh, we you will be maybe sell the one you're wearing. I, I, this is going to be five hundred dollars to get my uh, right off Greg Tito's back. This the, the heat of the lights. You will get evidence of that on yes. the shirt if you like. Yep, yeah. freshly sweat. And I'm doing that for the kids, you guys, for the kids. Yep. Uh, you can also check out a few games that we got going on here, including Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's on Steam Early Access right now. Uh, it's an idle clicker game where you can send out your party of Forgotten Realms heroes out to kill monsters, collect loot, uh, all in real time. So you can kind of do a little bit of play and then come back and check in on it later. And they would have gotten all that uh, awesome stuff. And that's cool because the Force Grey characters are heroes that you can uh, recruit into your party in oh, Idle Champions. Nice. Uh, so you can have the Arkin the Cruel. Uh, Jamila the Barbarian, uh, as well as uh, Tyrell Tall Guy and Hitch. Um, I don't nice. think we have one for Marisha's character. She's playing a turtle, though. 
So that's pretty cool. Going to need to get that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's we're working on it. We're working on it, kids. Okay. Uh, you can also check out Tales from Candlekeep uh, on Steam. It's the Tomb of Annihilation board game in digital form. It's super fun, very challenging uh, for a single player tactical play of Dungeons and Dragons. I suggest you check that out. Uh, also, uh, you were going to go get the hand cholo jewelry. What happened to it? Couldn't find it. Mm. Hillary's got it locked away. It looks really cool. One um, day, one day I will. Um, and then, Maybe of course, Bart will wear it tomorrow for Dragon Plus. Oh, that's a great idea. We'll yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. and it kind of matches. Yeah. Uh, but the last thing I want to tell you about is that Xanthar's guide to, guide to Everything is doing gangbusters. So many people uh, have been uh, saying they, they love the book, they love what's in it. Yep. Uh, I, Me included, I love everything that the team has thrown in there. I want to play really like cool. every single one of those 27 new subclasses. Like they just, it is a jam-packed book. Yeah, there's like story for days in there. Two awesome covers. Two awesome covers, that's right. Uh, the alternate cover is only available in game stores. That's available right now. Uh, and uh, you better hurry up because their supplies are, are limited in game yeah, stores. They might even, yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't want to get your hopes up because uh, they're, 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 in, they're in short supply out there. We only made a little bit of, uh, of them for the, for the game stores. Uh, but then Out is Wide on November 21st. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it will probably be available everywhere. So go get that wherever you can. Uh, mass market, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it anywhere you want on November 21st. Uh, the original cover, I think, looks really cool, too. Also yes. features You're, the Xanathar. You will not go wrong on For the covers. For sure. For sure. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a lot of fun stuff. We're, we're making all kinds of plans for uh, the future uh, here right now on the Dungeons & Dragons team. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all we want to kind of throw at you. Sound like sense? Mm-hmm. Let's go uh, throw it to a segment. Right about now, yes. we'll throw some bangs, maybe some bongs, maybe. and maybe some uh, horns. Yeah, cowbells. <laughs> Xylophones. Maybe a flautist. Oh, a flautist. <laughs> I want a flautist. And a triangle. We'll have to ask Lauren uh, Urban if she can bring in a flautist. In I used to, to be a oba. flautist. Really? Mm-hmm. You made uh, bread out of flutes? <laughs> <laughs> you grounded up the flutes into bread and made it. It probably would have been... A better use of my parents' money if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My trombone skills. Oh, Same. yeah. Same. I tried. No good. All right. Well, bing, bang. Bing. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. My name is Greg Tito, and Lore You Should Know is where we talk to Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. And Matt Cernan. Hi. About amazing little tidbits of Dungeons & Dragons lore, Forgotten Realms lore, other random uh, Dungeons & Dragons topics that you can put into your game or just for your own uh, edification. Things Uh, that are stuck in our head, which we want to stick in your head. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it all came from wanting to (laughs) talk to you guys and like, oh gosh, you have so much wealth of information, and now we get to share it with you. Our mm-hmm. listeners yep. and the world. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and and today's topic is one that uh, Mr. Matt Cernan has been wanting to do for a long time. Yes. Evil trees. Evil trees. <laughs> evil tree monsters or just evil trees? Yeah. Well, I mean, evil – they're monsters in D&D, right? Yes. So, like – Right. Yeah. I think, I think we can preface this by saying that more than any other game I've ever played, uh, D&D likes to take uh, innocuous things, ubiquitous objects – and make them terrifying. Right. So be it a chest or a rug or a tree, there is something in D&D in that form that will try to eat you. As it happens, trees seem to be a favorite. There are a lot of them. Like yes. a lot, a lot of them. Yes. 
in so when I was like about ten years old, I was at a friend's house and looking at various monster manuals and monster compendiums and stuff like that. I was like, "What is it with the evil trees? There's like five evil trees in these books. Like, why are there five evil trees in D&D? That is so weird." And so this morning, I went and I tried to find as many as I could. Nice. Right. And it's not just, I mean, we're, it, that idea kind of came from uh, Tolkien a little bit, I think. You know, the Ents and the, and the, 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 the they were definitely like, you know, when you were first yeah. introduced, they were evil right. in the in the storyline through Fellowship of the Ring-ish. Mm-hmm. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that idea just kind of stuck in a lot right. of people's brains. But there were obviously folklore way before that as well, right? Yes. Well, uh, sure. It, it, it doesn't explain. No. <laughs> That's where my brain went. Some, um, there, were there others like you who were just obsessed with evil trees? I, I think it stems from the fact that, you know, uh, humans would go into forests to get, you know, their wood and stuff and forage and whatnot. And you were always surrounded by these titans. And your imagination starts to go wild and you have kind of like Tim Burton moments of fearing that the tree is going to eat you. And plus the shapes that trees can take sometimes can personify them. And so yeah. uh, D&D designers uh, just sort of took that ball and ran with it all the way around <laughs> again the multiverse. Again and again and, and I again. think some of it was accidental. Like they didn't know there was already an existing evil tree that they could use, right. so they created another one. And so I, I think it was purposeful. I, I think that they looked at the evil trees that were there and they were like, you know what? Those evil trees don't suit my needs. I uh-huh. have a new evil tree idea that is far superior. This tree is different because it has teeth. Yeah. <laughs> There's a different niche somewhere that, of yes. evil treedom that yeah, needs right. to be filled. Plus there are different kinds of trees. So you've got like evil cypress trees and evil oak trees and evil, you know. Like, yeah, yep, yep. And yeah. each one of them needs its own right. D&D yes, monsters. Yes, exactly, Clearly. of course. Yes. Clearly. Uh, so where was the first evil tree uh, in, in Ooh, D&D? Ooh, the first. Well, I'm, I'm certainly there's there's the, 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 the treant, which isn't evil. Uh, no. but, um, but I think Monster Manual 2 has some of the first mm-hmm. ones. Yep. Um, the original Monster Manual 2. That's right. The Hangman Tree yeah. appeared in the Monster Manual 2, Ooh. which is a tree with vine-like growth that they can. the tree itself can make into loops and use it to basically drop down and strangle passersby. Ugh. Uh, there's also the infamous wolf in sheep's clothing in yes, the book. Yes, which originated as the cute bunnyoid on a stump monster in Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. And it is. it looks like a tree stump that has a little bunny on the top of it. And that bunny is actually a growth that grows on top of the stump. And when you get too close, the roots roots spring out and grab you, and tentacles, it has sort of eye tentacles for some reason that appear. It basically lures you in because you want to go over and pet the little bunny. Oh, look, it's so cute. And once you get close, it sprouts a big horrific maw in its uh, trunk and then grabs you and eats you. Yeah, you gotta get really close. <laughs> you gotta get really close. <laughs> yeah. But do people have that effect on bunnies? Like, I feel like bun- once you're an adult, bunnies run away. So you're not like, I'm gonna go. It's like that bunny's not running away. What's up with that bunny? <laughs> yeah, mm. maybe it does want to be my friend. Yeah. So is, the- is it wood? It's wood. It's an actual wood. So it's, it has to be in like a silhouette or like dark lighting or something like that to really kind of be believable. Right? Whatever. I, who knows? It was first depicted in black and white art, so it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Line drawings make it a, exactly. lot, a lot more believable. Yes, exactly. That, that book also has the lesser known Bark Burr. <laughs> Bark burr. What's a bark burr? I I don't know. (laughs) It's a plant that kills you. Right, and it's got it's got little burrs. Um, (laughs) The 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 other monster that appears in there is the quickwood. Yes, which is a century, not century, but century 
tree. Like, like a watchful eye. A watchful eye. tree. It's yeah. got like hidden eyes in it, and it basically just watches. I don't think it was actually evil, mind you. I think it was neutral. And later editions probably unaligned. But basically it, would ser- it was a servant that you would plant, and then if passersby walked by, it would spy them and then be able to relay that information to its master somehow. Yes, also, also known as the spy tree as it There happens. we go. Yes. Oh. That seems yeah. like that was like a wizard spell that someone used and then mm-hmm. was then codified into right. a monster, yeah. right? Or, or, you know, right. if you yes. crash the spell, you would create this monster and then yes. you could have it for you, for your own yeah. bidding. Later editions gave us the Iron Maw, yeah. which is a kind of a leafless, kind of dead-looking tree with a big, giant mouth that eats you. Arn, 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 arn. There's also the, the Camp Fault. <laughs> Camp Fault. Camp Fault yes. was a second edition tree, this sort of withered, emaciated tree whose uh, branches it could wrap around you and pull you in and strangle you. I'm sensing a lot of themes with a lot of these trees. Yeah, I mean, like, they're pretty much all the same. <laughs> <laughs> they just have different evocative names, right. perhaps. Yeah. Surprisingly, so, most evil trees are of the deciduous variety, not the coniferous yes. variety. However, there is the rare cedar spawn. So what is the cedar yeah. spawn? You were joking about this earlier. What is the cedar spawn? So the cedar spawn is from uh, uh, the the Dragonlance, um, what is it, the saga editions of the game of Dragonlance mm-hmm. that were done? And it's from a particular adventure there. I think that's called Chaos Spawn. And basically, they're evil trees and they're carnivorous cedars. And so they look like angry Christmas trees. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, well, ho, there you ho, go. Ho. <laughs> that's about it. Make sure you use that in your game uh, in the December months, people. And we probably shouldn't forget the Orc Wart. Did you track yes, that down? Yes, I did, yeah. Mysterious yeah. Journey. Uh, <laughs> Monster Manual 2, third edition, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that Orc was wart. that was a tree that sort of would have would fruit with these big bulbous uh, sacks sacks that would then fall to the ground and break open and inside would be this gooey mass and out of that would arise essentially this weird orc like thing that was a plant what and yeah. and then it would wander around and I don't know you'd kill it or something mm-hmm. and then another orc wart tree would grow there or something yeah. like that yeah it was always it, were they actually seeds like yeah they were basically seeds the living seeds that yes. would wander off that's yeah. actually the tree very terrifying though <laughs> it does paint a terrifying image for sure it does like I'm yeah. thinking of you know again a little bit more Tolkien imagery but like that Sauron in right. the, yes. Peter Jackson's of like you know having them in these pods but what if they came from other it does yeah. have that sort of pod people feel to it yeah um, it was super gross yeah and it also meant that they, you could have minions to defend the tree it wasn't just the tree you were fighting but it's also it's, it's you, little pod creatures right and you had to kill all them because otherwise more yes. would, would pop up which brings us to the doppelganger plant I, didn't, well, I forgot about that one I didn't yeah. know that one no <laughs> so I, wait, I, wrote no. An, I wrote an entire adventure based around the doppelganger <laughs> really? plant yes Dungeon Magazine, issue 38. It was called Horror's Harvest. Oh my gosh. And a doppelganger plant is basically a a vine-like plant that has pods that uh, the plant psychically imitates people around it, gives birth to duplicates, and then they crawl out of the pods, murder the people that they're imitating and replace them. Ugh. So um, that's fun. Yeah. I guess it doesn't really qualify as a tree if it's just a massive see, yeah, vine. I was going we for mainly trees. There's a, there's a, yeah. I have a whole column in my Excel, Excel sheet things that are not trees. Right, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's technically not a tree. So going back to evil trees, there's the Gulfius tree, yeah. which originated in the third edition adventure, The Sunless Citadel by uh-huh. Bruce Cordell. And it is not an ambulatory tree. It is a tree that is kind of infused with evil because it's got vampire's blood that bled into it through Mm. its roots. Its roots sort of sucked up the vampire remains or whatever. And um, it 
breeds these creatures called blights. Oh, like okay. Yep. Yeah. And so they sort of sprout up around the tree and then go wandering off and kill, king, kill is that, things. Is that where blights first kind of appeared? Pretty much, come from yeah. 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 Yep. Which yeah. You, and you use blights in, in Curse of Strahd. Yeah, they, they pop up all over the place. They're very popular monsters, particularly the little twig blights. Right, because um, they're lower-level threats right, that yes. you can, but they're still creepy. And they're creepy, creepy, creepy little scuttly things, yeah. yeah. There's something very disturbing about that. Yes. Uh, what else, Matt? So there's also the Death's Head Tree. The oh, Death's right. Head Tree? Yes. It has these gross... Yeah, go on, Matt. <laughs> so so it looks like a weeping willow, um, but then basically it it, uh, it has these heads on the ends of, ends of branches that... Um, like human heads. They're, they're like these human heads, and they're sort of, they smell rotten and so on, and... Do they speak? Are they, do they sentient, or are they just heads? Uh, I think that they are actually sentient heads, Ooh. but um, it it basically it, it has the whenever you like fight it, it it has the the heads bite you like they come down and bite you. Yeah, because they're on <laughs> sort of these ropey tendrils, so they can kind of lash down and bounce back yeah, and it's forth. Yeah, terrifying idea. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the Audrey Two from the stage production of Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, mm-hmm. All of the characters that are consumed by the thing yes. had the heads on the end, and they're right. all like singing and being. It like, is hey. very very much like that, Ugh. only with less singing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if if I was going to run it, they would be singing heads. I mean, yeah. God, that's pretty terrifying. I don't remember which one it was, but because now now it's all it's all mixed up. But there was one version of it that was a really complicated mechanical thing where essentially the tree. Is this is this blood sucking tree, and um, when you fall asleep under the tree, it sends down leaves that kind of fall down. They just look like they're leaves falling down, but they're actually still attached to the tree, and they painlessly uh, attach to you and suck blood up into the tree, and then by the t- when like if you wake up or move around or whatever, the leaf flutters away. I don't know how that works because you'd see the blood is that go up into the tree through a straw. Like what is he? <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's but there's a, there's this whole. I remember looking at it, the the mechanics of it because it was it was fascinating because it talked about how essentially each one of the leaves was an individual hit point for the tree. That then, if you attack them individually, was of course foolish. Why would you attack the leaves individually? Right. But if you use fireball on the tree, that would be very damaging to the tree. Uh. It didn't really fix the whole logical problem of like why does this thing and exist? <laughs> is that how the DNA of a person's head got no, no, into that's, the tree? That's, that's, separate totally from the, that's totally different monster separate from the death's head oh. tree. Oh, what was yeah. this tree then that you were just mentioning? I was just trying to find it. There's oh. so many of them. I, I have 36 different They're all <laughs> different trees. play on words on trees and death. and yeah, There's the Athasian treant which is a different version of the treant uh, from Dark Sun. Uh, there's the viper tree. Yes, the viper tree. That, that's which a, is a tree with snakes that grow out of it. It's from in the grows in the abyss, and it's basically this yeah. big snake tree. Okay. Um, there's the the tree that's like, um, but but it's a, actually a beholder spawn. Uh, the observer. Yeah, I don't. Is it actually a tree, or does it just have well, a tree? Well, I mean, shape? but is the viper tree actually a tree, or is it? Yeah. I assume so. It kind of grows out of the ground. And has I think if if it's going to be a tree, it's got to have roots in the ground. We should have established these rules. <laughs> these rules are. Really, and maybe yeah. it can rip its roots out and walk around on them for a while, but it's basically affixed to the ground when it's not doing anything. This makes sense. The I definition mean, of a tree: yeah. the, the elder tree, the forest haunt, the woodman, the gakarak. What's the gakarak? <laughs> 
It's just a big tree that attacks you. Like all these things. Night Twist, the killer tree, the octopus tree. Octopus tree, I think, actually is is aquatic. Uh, so oh, it's an aquatic sense. tree. All right. Yeah. So a designer was like, you know what? This is an aquatic adventure, right, but we right. still need some evil trees. All those other trees were good. We need an underwater tree. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah. I guess evil seaweed just doesn't have the same kind of feel right. to it. Yes. Right? Overseer is the one that's the beholder oh, okay. king. Yeah. There's the quickwood. We mentioned that already. The yeah. wretch plant. That's an old one. That that one goes back. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the most recent ones, which I which is just hilarious, is a uh, uh, saguaro sentinel. I was hoping you weren't going to mention that. <laughs> of course, one. I was going to mention that. You got to be kidding me. Is that you? Did you do that? No, 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 okay. no, no. But it was made on my watch. I think <laughs> <laughs> for a product called Sandstorm. Um, and it's basically an ambulatory murder cactus <laughs> with, with limbs, big, big flaily limbs. Yeah. And uh, if I remember the picture correctly, it has you know all these these you know finger like limbs and branches and so on as as saguaro cactuses do. And I think there's like a bird somewhere in the picture, <laughs> <laughs> just hanging out on it. Because yeah. a bird would be like, oh yeah, this is just a cool cactus. This is not actually yeah. murdering anybody. Yeah. There's there's, yeah, there's periodically when I tell people how cool D and D is, Matt will send me a picture of them. <laughs> monster <laughs> to remind me yeah, like, how wrong I am. Don't get too high. Yeah, 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 don't be, uh, yeah. No. It's true. Yeah. Uh, there's also something called the, the Scouring Stanchion, which is just an awful name. And it's it's from Monster Manual, I think, 4 and 3rd edition. Yeah. Sorry whoever came up with the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is a heinously complex, super powerful, like, weird plant monster. Because it, at a certain point in the growth of 3rd edition, there was this uh, this concept that we had to sort of, like, fill out the, the gaps in um, CR and creature type. I see. And so we're you know, you're making monster manual four or five or six or whatever it was, and it's like okay, what are the gaps and what? Are, oh, I need to make a high level plant. Yes. <laughs> 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 Scouring Because we want seventeenth level characters to still be fighting evil trees. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> this makes sense. Wait, yeah. And stanchion doesn't that isn't that a word anything for, to do with trees? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that like a thing you use to like block off people with felt ropes and whatnot? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, there's also the topiary guardian, which I I mean. Legit, I think that that's actually a fun monster. I, like, I agree. Yeah. I, I all right. There there are topiary guardian naysayers out there, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> I think I think it's kind of cool if you walk into a garden with all these trimmed animal forms that one of them might come to life and eat you. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, yeah. that makes total sense, right? I yeah. mean, the way uh, those things, you know, Edward Scissorhands kind exactly. of like mix yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah. You, it could be pretty terrifying too. Like yeah. if you got a topiary elephant coming at you, I'd be pretty scared of that. Yeah. yeah honestly, any any plant of any size coming I mean, at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go the other go. way. <laughs> yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we're sweet. Any other? Uh, I mean, I know there's more, but yeah, there's so many I more. Mean, we could just list them all, but yeah. you know, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> there is another cactus, uh, the vampire cactus, and that mm-hmm. isn't that goes way back. Um, because there are there are a bunch of sort of uh, not quite trees um, that are uh, in the the lore, and they they go, a lot of them oh, there's grab grass. There's um, there's boring grass. 
terrible name. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's not very entertaining grass. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's boring grass. Yeah. Strangleweed. Has no nightlife. You know, <laughs> viper vine. I mean, just like choke creeper. Like, yeah, now uh, we're just into wacky plants like, in it general. Just, it I just mean. keeps on yeah, going yeah. and going and going. Well, and I have to give a shout out to the people in, uh, in chat here because they've been throwing around some puns like, oh, I think it's time for me to bow out of this conversation. Oh, and uh, nice. would, you, would you guys, uh, would, W-O-D, yeah. you guys yes. mind stopping? Yeah. And uh, the cactus. Uh, I'd be happy to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want them to keep going with the puns. And I'll, I'll just keep well. telling you all of them. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, where can people find out about all the uh, the trees we didn't list and or uh, uh, wacky plants that are at CR25? <laughs> Matt, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at, at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. What about you, Chris? Uh, they can't get in touch with me. <laughs> Please do not. <laughs> Don't ask me about plants and <laughs> Send him, send him Twitter, all of yeah, your puns. My Twitter handle is Chris Perkins DND. Awesome. I'm at Greg Tito, and you can send me all of those puns, and I'll send it to these guys. Don't worry about it. Thank you guys so, uh, so much for listening. We'll have a uh, Lori Chano next week. Guys, we're going to that, – that was amazing, that segment. Did was, you hear it? It was good. It was off the chain. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to our guest. We're going to talk to Ivan Van Norman Woo! from Geek and Sundry. Yep. And other things. He's done so much in his very short career. I don't even career. know how I would describe him. Uh, like I would he, say – Ivan Van Norman. He's an all-around good guy. Who is a lot of things. Yeah, he's like a, 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 a I don't want to say well, jack of all him. trades, master of none, Let's because he's mastered a lot. Himself. He is a dungeon master of of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Just a very enthusiastic, wonderful gamer. Yeah, he really likes uh, betrayal. Yeah, he does. He really does. And the axis and the eyes. We got so much to ask him. So let's call him up. Let's make it happen. I think he's a theater guy. I know he is. Actually, I have something very specific to ask him. Oh, really? I do. Yeah. I met some of his former classmates. Is this Hello. Hello. There's the voice Hello. I'm familiar with. Shelley. Ivan. I just, yes. I just have, I, he's, Ivan is the kind of person that I just want to hug whenever I see him. Like a big bear. Huggies. <laughs> Wait, that I means something why. different. Pelham is crawling I'm on the floor I'm happy to hear right my now. two favorite voices Yay. in this plane at this moment. So We're happy to. You're you're you got a, quite a baritone uh, voice on. That's on, why he's good at what he does. Here. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. A lot of people said I was born into radio, but that I, that just assumed that they were making fun of my face. <laughs> oh no! And you got a face <laughs> for live streaming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the rebirth of radio over the podcast waves. Greg and I were just trying to figure out how to describe you. Like you are, but we are lost because you seem to do so many things. Uh, yeah, I think just I don't even I don't Who even know how to describe you? what's going on nowadays. Uh, I I I guess you could call me a a um a host entrepreneur publisher personality type. That's a lot of. What if you like <laughs> over the holidays you have a distant relative and she goes, Ivan, what are you doing these days? Is that the, what you'll the say? The easiest way to be able to even do that nowadays is is that I like to create content and I like to help other people create content is basically what it comes down to. So, do you think people, my, like, I've thrown people who throw around like that content word as like a bad word. Do you believe in that or, or not? What do you think? No, I mean, content, I mean, I actually think it's a beautiful word. Content is, 
content is king, man. Being able to make something and be able to put it out in the world and, and one, say, yes, I did that and I'm proud of that. But two, then be able to have people engage in that and feel good about it. Like, I mean, no matter how you dress it up, stories are well, at least stories as far as role playing games and new media is that th that is all content. It's such an amazing thing to participate in. It's only dirty if you're looking at it and you and you and you want to uh, disassociate any kind of like marketing stratagem talk around that. But I, yeah. I get I have just as much of a good time talking about marketing and business as I do about production and storytelling. That's cool. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's it's mostly the people who don't want to like uh, 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 commodify what we do, right? So it's huh. like oh, you're like oh. <laughs> too bad. It yeah, happens right. <laughs> but it doesn't cheapen it. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean it, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't make it less important in the world. You know, so I agree. I agree. All right, so you are king of content. I think that's that's your that's your title going forward. Yeah, like sure, it. go for it. Yeah, um, it's it's unfortunate because I always feel I feel like if I give myself a title, I don't deserve it. So I'm always in a much better place having other people describe. <laughs> right, but I don't make it easy. What did uh, Matt Mercer say at the stream of annihilation that this was the the largest uh, concentration of people with imposter syndrome? <laughs> he said that. Yeah. Like ever assembled. Imposter syndrome anonymous. <laughs> yeah. It's true. We don't want to all like, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable around going around and being like, Hello, my name is Ivan Van Norman and I am the master of horror and suspense. <laughs> you know? Um it's it's just it's it's awkward. It's it's like saying that I am better than other people when there are clearly other people who are just just as magnificent and deserving of pride and praise as I am. So, right. you know, right. It's hard. Um, it's a hard thing to sell yourself. I think it's one of those skills that you don't really learn in theater school very well. No. <laughs> no it, and it would be very beneficial. Yeah. In fact, I just got done talking to, uh, actually it's, uh, that is so on point. Cause I just got done talking to a bunch of kids from the Laguna Niguel college of art and design. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a little illustrative school, uh, that's out in beautiful Laguna Niguel, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, and mm -hmm. amazing, talented, talented people, animators, um, illustrators, fine art and uh, beautiful work. And they're all, they have no idea how to market themselves. Yeah. <laughs> They have no idea how to sell themselves into the jobs that they want because they're so good at what they do that they have a hard time removing themselves and being like, okay, well now how can I, how can I turn this into into something that that I like, but that someone else likes and can participate in as well too. It's tough. Know? It's tough. Um, and speaking of theater school, Shelly just reminded me, and I, I totally forgot until just now. Uh, and I forgot, but just it slipped my mind. You went to Chapman, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I went to Chapman, dude. That's insane. <laughs> Since I met uh, uh, two of your classmates, or at least a, a, a you know fellow alums, uh, yeah. in, in recently, and they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah by the way, Ivan Van Orman went there." I'm like, "What? How did you meet Co these people?" Theater people. Yeah. Um, so Anna Lee is one of them. Uh, yes. uh, she's an actor here in Seattle. Uh, she actually was the first babysitter that we called uh, when my family and I moved here because we didn't know anyone. How did you find her? She, uh, a, a someone who was in a show that my wife was in, oh. uh, recommended her. Like, oh, she's great. She's awesome with kids, blah, 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 and call her up. And so she went there. And then as well, uh, Deborah. Uh, yeah, or yeah. Danielle. Danielle. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because they they kind of hit me up because 
them. Um, she just kind of told me what she's doing with her streaming D and D and kind of her podcast uh, yeah. uh, stuff that she was putting together. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. I didn't remember you being a huge role player, but I'm so happy that you're getting into it. Uh, and then she told me stories about meeting you and then how she's, you know, obviously a big fan of Matt and all the kids at critical role. And, and, um, and it was one of those odd circumstances where we just got to catch up over something that became a mutual interest of ours, even though we all were part of our own little nerdy secret society called the student society of entertainment arts <laughs> yeah. at Chapman. And it was just basically a, a student union that gave us an excuse to do projects that were outside of the scope of either the theater school or the film school, you know, because oh, they could okay. only sponsor so many projects a year, whether it was like, you know, kids theses or the student, you know, the theater school can only do put on so many productions a year. And if, you know, kids weren't in that as talent, then they had to go and do post-production or they had to go be behind the scenes or all the things that you're supposed to learn anyway. But right. this was just an avenue for us to put on other productions that weren't maybe main stage you know, we would take over these little corners of the school and just put on productions wherever the hell we wanted to. But that. hey, we were doing stuff, you know. That is cool. Where is Chapman? It's in Orange, California, behind, okay. the, behind the orange curtain, next to <laughs> five-minute drive from Disneyland. So, oh, um, a lot of internships in the old Disneyland with those theater kids? Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, um, and it was good, too. It's, I mean, it, they, they have a really nice film school down there, so it kind of... It's it's a private college, so it's uh, undoubtedly stupidly expensive, and it's even more expensive than when I went there. Oh yeah. Um, but they did, but they are really good about scholarships. Like I had about half of my tuition covered in scholarships when That's I went sweet. there. So. Sweet. And um, then they didn't t teach you how to sell yourself, which you know. no, <laughs> no. And I and I went to there for film school, and then I ended up learning marketing and business when I got out, and that's what I use. Although I use my film degree now too, because I'm I'm again making stuff again. But oh, right. God, I wish I took business classes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yep, should be mandatory. Uh, no matter what. Adulting 101. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Geek and Sundry? Um, I was a multi-level marketing manager that was kind of trying to edge into the crowdfunding space really early when it was fresh and young and new, like around 2000, 2008, 2009-ish or so. Okay. And I was basically helping some people put some Kickstarters together, and I just got off this show on TBS called King of the Nerds, which mm. was... Oh, yes. I, yeah. We're, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had just done this silly little show. I had dropped all of my clients, and I was basically coming back out fresh boot. You know, um, spoiler alert, I didn't win, so I didn't walk away with a bunch of cash in hand. So I was just like, okay, how am I going to get myself back in here? So I... Met a bunch of people, started hanging out with people. Uh, this woman, Sarah Rodriguez, ended up just meeting her and kind of uh, hanging out with her and a bunch of her new media friends who were all doing social media and that kind of stuff. And at the time, I was getting together with another group called Saving Throw, which was like Dom Zook and um, at that time, Amy Vorpal and Benjamin Dunn and a bunch of other people who were kind of doing YouTube and they wanted to make like how to play role playing games and do it in a YouTube space. And it was still kind of when YouTube was starting to not become a viable business model anymore as far as sustained material. Right. But, um, we still committed to it. We did it. It was fun. People liked it. And, um, 
I ran the crowdfunding campaign for them just as a favor. And uh, later, Sarah Rodriguez, who was at Geek and Sundry at the time, is the social media person, said, hey, I just saw what you got done with Saving Throw, and do you do any more crowdfunding stuff? And I basically, you know, hey, fake it till you make it, right? I was like, right. yeah, I do that kind of stuff all the time. <laughs> and um, she said, okay, well, we really need a campaign manager for this campaign. It's, it's, gonna, it, it's launching in like three weeks. Can you come in? And so I come into this meeting at Geek and Sundry, and Will Wheaton's just hanging out right there. And it's a meeting with him, and it's for Tabletop Season 3. Hmm. So, so I go in there, and they give me the job. And in three weeks, I launch a campaign <laughs> for Tabletop Season 3, which thankfully did extremely well. Um, All the and, best laid uh, market, you know, social media marketing plans happen in three weeks, as far as I know. Yeah. Oh, man. It was a... Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> It was a grinding gun. Thank God they had a good mailing list as well as just they were pulling favors from everywhere. Nice. But um, they had all the right stuff that they needed to do it. Thankfully, they weren't devoid of resources. They had strong PR manager, all that stuff. So mostly it was me about just facilitating all of the moving pieces in order to make the campaign work. And um, I just haven't left. You know, you've been you made a home there, made a home. I just I, I uh, I'm. I'm there until they kick me out, basically. So, because I don't, because I don't officially work for them, you know. I'm considered to be a contractor over there, so oh. I'm not really like a. You wouldn't like I'm. I'm don't. I don't collect a payroll from them. I just hang out and continue to work on stuff around there, and it's it's satisfying though. It's they're good people to do work with. Absolutely, yeah. And the thing you're doing there uh, uh, that you know people have been talking about a lot is uh, uh, this this uh, sagas of Sundry, the Sundry, the uh, the dread. That's oh, amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, talk about taking a risk. Um, yeah, Greg, uh, this this thing was either going to fall flat on its face or it was going to do amazing. Um, I'm really proud of it. Like it was kind of a for people who may not know what we're talking about, it's essentially a show in which we are taking role-playing games and taking it off the table, but not but not in like a LARP way. It still has immersion and it has some LARP-like techniques inside of it, but it uses a system uh, that some people may be familiar with. It's called Dread, um, and it's a, essentially a storytelling system that's a very yes-and type of single-shot role-playing game, and which uses a... Um, a beautiful wooden tower as its mechanic. And when you take an action, instead of rolling a dice to determine what the results are, you just have to pull a block from the tower. So it's a very yes and system. That know. sounds fun. Um, you, the story is going well and you succeed until the tower falls. And then at that time, the character's either removed, is, he's removed from the game, but it's either because of a death or insanity mm -hmm. or whatever machinations you put inside of it. And it's a natural it's perfect for horror because it just builds so much tension and suspense. And then when that thing falls, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a release and it's so it's, it's dreadful. <laughs> it's it. it works. Uh, yeah. But thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, people have been super like, psyched about it. I mean, like basically thinking it's like changing up the idea of, uh, entertainment and tabletop and, and, and how, you know, uh, with, the rise of streaming uh, mm -hmm. D and D play. I mean, I think everybody was like, "Oh, this is kind of really interesting," but you're you're you know evolving it and mutating it a bit, and I think that's that's really exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's a new choice, and it's good because the players are still making good choices. It's just we're doing we're doing something new where it's still improv, but it's dramatic improv. 
And uh, I think the acronym that somehow came as a result of it is a, is it's um, uh, TTDRPG, Theatrical Reality Role Playing Game. Whoa. So, and that's because it has some reality show elements to it, but mm-hmm. it's very theatrical drama. And but it's still a role playing game, dude. You know, yeah. no scripts. So. Well, that's what I always appreciate about you is that you there's always that element that's like the next level when you do like on Game the Game. When you guys did your Access and Allies game. It was so much fun. Oh, my God. And you were like, we're going to have costumes and historians. And the armchair historians, were the, they were just so funny. They were like, Mm-mm, no. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, it, I, if we're going to do something, I want to I I sell it, man. I want to make it the best. I know, it and you guys be. were like, we're going to do this. How long was it? Six hours? It was a six-hour six stream of Access and Allies, and we got through Just four rounds. Just pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. And those historians, man, um, I want them to narrate every game oh, now. Oh, I uh, I love them. They for were... all the people who think that you can't put a uh, uh, like a uh, a e-caster or like a sports caster on a tabletop role-playing game, I encourage them to go watch that video and see how you can do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was really really good, and all of your. Um, the content that you guys generated with the the how to play videos, which is access and allies, isn't it's got it's a little bit daunting for people who haven't played before. There's a lot of pieces, a lot of pieces, a lot of setup, but you've managed to make a one minute quick start um, video and also that longer um, nine minute or so video, which got received right. high praise from Larry Harris himself. I cannot that feedback that. was passed on to you, wasn't it? Yeah, no, and it and it it, it made my heart. Well, oh, yeah. Uh, Larry Harris I, being the original the designer. Inven- yeah, the inventor yeah. of Access and Alex. Yeah. And I, when I went to Gen Con 50 this year, I got to see the first, like, the first edition um, when it was just, just in that simple little box. And that was actually my favorite part of the whole um, curated uh, display was actually that's seeing awesome. that very first copy. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. That's so that so was cool. That's that was good. I knew that would that would make your day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not every day you someone who is a legend in your space can can say, "Hey, I like your thing." Yeah. You did a good thing. That's my game oh. and you sold it well, kid. Right. Good I, job. I, like, I wish I could have done that <laughs> back in the 60s or, you know, whenever it was the it was a 60s game, right? That it was first yeah, designed. Was it that? Yeah, I it's think like, it's that old. Yeah, it's um, over 50. Yeah. yeah. So that's Math. insane wow. that, like, you know, back in that day, you'd had to have an entire TV studio and, like, you know, when we can do that kind of con- that kind of content yeah, very easily now at this point, right? It's so It's so weird that, like, 50 years ago, the thought of being able to put in a major studio setting yeah. some of these games that are now being celebrated yeah. is just mind-blowing. Like, even seeing your setup when you put together Stream of Annihilation mm. in, in April earlier this year. Just being able to like look at this and be able to say this is something that we can accomplish in order to make like <clears throat> to make a really immersive experience for people who are just on the other side of the screen. Yeah, I mean, even like five years ago, it's still right. like did people really like, people want to watch other people play games? And now, like, <laughs> y- yes, yeah. yes, they do. They're- and a lot of it, we talked about this a little bit at DM Tips over the weekend. Uh, uh, Mercer. 
um, Lou Gygax, uh, not Colville, who else was there? Uh, Jason Charles Miller, a bunch of DMs, mm-hmm. um, including this this woman who runs this uh, uh, run this event called Clinical Role. She's a PhD psychologist who is who is playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> with all of her psych friends. And oh, that would be uh, an interesting game. It's wonderful, and they use it for recreational therapy with their with their uh, with their patients as well too. It's, That's awesome. I love hearing um, about those stories. Yep. Yeah, um, and you know about RGB, RPG therapeutics, right? Are you familiar? With no, that? that's a new one. I haven't heard it. We've talked to Wheelhouse Workshop uh, uh, as well as uh, Dr. Bocamazzo mm-hmm. uh, from Take This, but oh man, you need to know about RPG therapeutics, Greg. Yeah, um, RPG therapeutics—they haven't. This is—they haven't. They're not a new place. Um, they've been around for about twenty to thirty years. And what they do is, and they're based out of the Northwest as well, too. Oh, oh. Uh, they they run a mobile lab. And so they are a provider of recreational therapy to at-need rural locations or people who, who can't come out because of either PTSD, agoraphobia, um, you know, diff- all different stages of autism, um, blind, deaf. And they do recreational therapy using role-playing games. That's crazy. And they have 20 years of data. That's what? all gone through academic rigmarole, and they put it all for free online access to anyone who needs that data to use in either like um, uh, to use in research documents or, you know, theses or um, just any kind of case studies that they want. That's so amazing because there, you know, we were talking to another group who's who's uh, uh, a psychiatrist who are creating, uh, you know, because we all know that like, you know, role playing games can help with so many different ways yeah. of development, like, you know, so many cognitions, ways. things like that. Like, you know, we just, there's no actual papers or, you know, data to, to my knowledge before you mentioned this that like had been done, like where you can say like, all right, you know, we took these kids, they played, you know, D&D or an RPG like experience and then this yeah. improved like this much, right? There's no, I, to my knowledge, there was no quantitative data to like that, but you're uh, telling me yeah. that it exists and it's blowing it my mind. Exist. I know, that's and amazing. It's been a, and it's decades of data. Yeah. It's, it's terribly unorganized. It's the, the, <laughs> the, um, it's I love just, your tone uh, of voice in saying that. It was the same tone it? of voice. You're like, isn't it amazing? It's like, amazingly it's terrible. awful to review. <laughs> to have to dig through it is atrocious. <laughs> the fact that it exists is, is beautiful. And they're, um, they've been an LLC for a long time and they're trying to reach their 5013C status. Um, uh, I, I learned about them very recently, just like a lot of people. And I'm I'm personally championing the crap out of these guys right now. I'm, I want to see if we can do some stuff with them for international tabletop day as well too, because That's they cool. really they basically just drive around a giant trailer, and it is it is a perfect what you would expect role playing game setup, tables, chairs, um, snacks, drinks, and they just take around this mobile living room. And to play role playing games with folks. This sounds like my retirement right here. Yes, <laughs> that's what I want to do. I want to get it every, you know, a big RV, drive yeah. around, kind of help people get in adventures. Yeah. Right, and it's crazy. Like the, one of the examples people. they gave me, um, because because my role playing game Outbreak and Dead is supposed to just be hyper realistic, but they told me about this game that they run that is a zombie survival. Uh, um, scenario that they break down but what it does is it helps people learn how to use public transit systems 
So there's there's an infection that's broken out amongst the city, and the scenario that they use uses their local map, and they basically in the game have to learn how to use the bus, how to use a taxi, um, how to use the subway in order to solve this little adventure. And it allows them to basically find a fun recreational way to learn the public transit system. You know, say if they're you know extremely autistic. Um, oh, I see. You know, that or, or have amazing. And that's in that kind of element of like not being able to like interact well with people, but they will interact with this game. And then as a result, they will learn valuable skills they need in order to operate in the real world. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Like you, you don't, you, you know, you, it's almost like stealth learning. Yeah, exactly. That's it's still stealth learning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, even yeah. know that it's happening. And you're like, oh, all of a sudden I just memorized all these amazing, you know, important details that I need to live my life. <laughs> well, and, okay, and that, there you go. That There's that little, I'm, I'm sorry to throw things immensely off topic, but let me just throw that. <laughs> I love it. So, I love yeah. it. We're going to, we're booking them right now. I we're know, booking seriously. them to get on the podcast. I'd love to talk to them. As we speak. Uh, but that's cool, man. I, I, so we got this all started from the question of where did you, how did you start working at Geek and Sundry? Oh, yeah. And, sure. she, and beforehand, Shelly and I were like, well, we got so much to talk about. I'm like, yeah, this will not be a hard conversation. No. <laughs> and I do want to talk about King of the Nerds because I just love okay. TV and okay. reality TV. And reality TV. All right. All and right. you, you actually, there's did... another connection I have to you is because, uh, Laser Corn was Laser Corn. Oh my Corn? God. David Ma. Yeah. Laser Corn, of course. Yeah. Love Laser Corn. Uh, his, his and I's kids. Are uh, they're the same age? Uh, so they we go on play dates with them all the time. In fact, him and I are are working on a on a on a YouTube channel right now um, called Nerds with Kids. Right? I, well, you should have gone like Losers of of King of the Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> King of the Nerds. Reject. <laughs> Although Laser Corn wasn't on it, that was Jovenshire. Oh, was it Joe's? It Smosh. was Jovenshire, wasn't it? All right, now I'm sorry, I got my uh, Smosh Gaming kids mixed up. Your your Smosh Games kids. Oh, they're yeah. the Smosh kids. What? They're Smosh, not kids. I know, but the, the, there was Smosh, and then there's Smosh ga- Smosh Games. Smosh Games. Part of oh. the five. They've medium. done some. Exactly. I like them. I like watching them. <laughs> oh. They're fun, and we did a, and of course, um, so I helped uh, jo- Joshua Jovenshire. Um, he asked me because they have a series called Board AF. Mm. Yeah. Um, he asked me to say, "Hey, Ivan, can you teach me Dungeons and Dragons in like two weeks?" Nice. And two weeks I from said, now. Okay. Let's, or in two weeks. You in have two weeks. weeks to teach me. Uh, or. Well, he needed he needed a campaign <laughs> as well too. So it wasn't just oh, I'm you know teach me how to run a game, but also can you give me a game to run? So I sat with him and we just we just banged out this adventure for him that was loosely based off of a module that he was already kind of comfortable with, but we just kind of made an original story out of it, and then um, gave him all the skills. Basically, put him through through GM boot camp, nice, um, so that he could go off That's and run good. this game for all of his friends. See, so. that sounds like a good reality show, too. Like, how to make <laughs> a dungeon camp? master in, like, nine weeks. Right. Oh, like, man. everything you need to, like, you teach them from, they don't, they can't have any knowledge. So, like, your mom, the best, my yes, mom, like, the at best. the right. And then at the end, they run a campaign for, like, Chris Perkins and Matt Mercer. Everyone. Like, see, it's the best. That would actually be beautiful because it could show anyone that this is 100% an accessible yeah. thing. And they all like, have a coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like your your nerd whisperer. Yeah. That's lovely, actually. I really, I really like that. That's also kind of a um, floating a little bit on this other idea that I've been playing around with. It's a concept that's already out in the world with conventions, mm. but I really want to make it into a 
um, into like a season of, of, of shows. It's the Iron GM. Yes. Mm. You know, I think Iron Jam would be a lovely show as long as we don't make it like because obviously I don't want to make it an antagonistic or it's competitive right. kind of situation. But if it's long as it's a showcase of all these different DMs using the same yeah. two resources that they use in order to generate their stories, then it becomes a showcase of what style right. and everyone's doing. Yeah. And then the you different. just get a chance. But it doesn't have to be one of those. Oh, Oh, your story is terrible. <laughs> I'm going to bite into this pepper. You have been <laughs> chopped. <laughs> you, you chopped you out. <laughs> You're on the IMGM. <laughs> See, I wanted to actually make something that was was more of a competition show like that for a convention also, uh, where it was, and instead of it being about RPG specifically, it was uh, board game design or just, you know, right. card game design or something like that, where, like, people would get elements, you know, like, okay, you know, worker placement. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to use this color scheme. You have to use these components make it make a board I'll game in that. in like you know 20 hours and then present it to someone so it's like fast well, it's like the you have to do it in, the, in a time limit there's a theater thing like that like a you write a play and like oh yeah i've done those you do well, like the, a, write the play and then perform it all in 24 hours yeah, yeah. They're, they're bad they're they end up being really bad <laughs> bad plays but they're fun yeah. or write a in novel the, in, in a the, month in the film world too they do the 24-hour film festivals yeah so mm-hmm. a 24-hour board game festival yeah know? I've done. Oh, I that would be so those. fun. They're are fun because you're like you can't you. you, you part of the problem with uh, coming up with ideas for stuff is that you can get uh, um, stymied in the collaboration. You know, there's too many people or too yep. many cooks yep. in the kitchen. You'd be like, oh, that doesn't sound like that good, and, you, and the project goes nowhere. Uh, that has happened to me so many times. So then these 24 hour film festivals were great because they were like, there's no excuse. Right. That yes. may not be the best idea, but it's the yes. best idea that we have right now. Right now. Yes. yes. Time now, is the enemy of creativity sometimes. And yeah. sometimes that can be a lovely thing just to forge the fire of creativity a little bit because right. all you're doing is is you're going with your gut and you're running with the ball and you might get tackled, but you just, you're just going to run. And in some ways, that's that's what makes RPGs fun, right? To me, yep. in that you know, and in, 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 you know, all three of us have a background in, in theater and film and, and creative stuff. Uh, you know, we mm-hmm. don't, you know, you don't get that often to uh, uh, exercise it really, uh, unless you are a professional actor. Right. Uh, but then here's a way to be like, oh yeah, no, you're on the spot. You have to create. You have to make it all happen, and you have uh, a very small time limit window of like, hey, when the dungeon master says, hey, it's your turn, what are you gonna do? And then. Yeah. You get that prompt and yep. you're ready to go and you yep. create on the fl- on immediately. I like it. it is it's it's so charming to understand that like this format, this storytelling medium flexes those muscles in the same way that when you go and read a script or that when you go yeah. and pitch an idea. And it's it's really a perfect training ground. I, I am surprised that that it hasn't emerged much more. I mean, it is now becoming a lot more public opinion, but there's just the fact that it isn't used as like some kind of training for people who are going into first year theater, mm. you know, stuff like yeah. that, just as an ability of like, it is the rudimentary telling stories is what it is. It is the disposable story machine is what it is. And heaven it forbid, I would have I would have loved to be able to get some of my crappier ideas out on the table before I had to go and actually spend money to go work on some of my first films. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you're like, I'm banking, you know, yeah, scraping together this 10 grand yeah. to make this one movie. And I don't even know if it's a good idea or not. Try out these it new characters. Exactly. I don't even know if this character is likable. And I'm, co- and I'm committing to it because it's a good idea for me, but I haven't had the maturity yet of, of learning if that's a progressive good idea. 
you know, and it's... So, over the course of this conversation, I think the three of us now have to found a, a school. Yes. <laughs> and a television network. A television network yeah. that's based We've around... More. The writer's rooms are all just RPGs playing. I do like these ideas, though. Ivan, you got to make it happen. Because Greg and I are too tired. I'm doing everything I can, Shelly. I've got (laughs) another one that I've been putting in the bank for a while, too, that's actually pretty similar to what Greg was talking about. With uh, It's essentially the shark tank for (gasps) Volkswagen. Well, there is that one, that the toy box. The toy box, right. What's that? What's the toy box? What's that Hasbro? Yeah. It's a show. Oh, it's a It's like a... I I haven't seen it in a long time. Is it still on? I don't even know if it's still on. Um, But there's toys in the box? Game design ideas. Oh, all right. So it's basically like, Game Shark, but for yeah, toys. Yeah, game. Yeah, and then what exists. they do is they go and they get the, the. But then the prize is distribution. Yeah. They get to be. They get to be. Their toy gets to go to Toys R Us. Got as it. Essentially, is how it is, and so they get they get a cash prize, and then they get to actually, uh, which is in my mind on the uh, the flip side of this being a publisher, it's like that's it, a win win situation for everyone. It's like mm-hmm. you get you get to you get to vet a whole bunch of great titles and yeah. whatever is the best you get to sell <laughs> i think the shark you tank get a giant marketing and promotion it is a it. great idea like you could have representatives from different publishers and people just mm-hmm. go there and pitch their game idea anything that's on shark tank even if it doesn't get funded it's going to sell it's a boost you yeah. know no matter what it always gets something some investor comes into it because it's got an immediate amount of credibility to it now again the challenge is is that especially with GNS, it's a very inclusive, very safe space um, community, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I love it so much. It's not a place to go. I would never want to put a show on Geek and Sundry that has a "you're fired" element to no. it. Right. Ever, you know, and I would I would want to be able to make it so that it feels very much like a safe space in which yeah. to come and do games, and where it's 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 one of those. Hey, look, this is this is you know. Joni Maroney over in North Carolina, he's never made a board game in his life. He's been working on this for 10 years, though, and he's really happy with it, and he's bringing it to show us today. You're, talking, yes. you're talking about being Gordon Ramsay with kids, not Gordon Ramsay with adults. Thank you. Yes. You know, yes. I'm down with it. And they can still give constructive feedback. So you're walking away with something. Yeah. You're walking away with something, no matter yep. what, and you always get just the experience. Yeah. You know? And, uh... uh yeah, and I have another one I want to tell you too, but I'm, I feel like I'm just throwing them all out here. <laughs> no, <laughs> and then if basically... Greg, Greg Tito starts. Oh, welcome to D and D Shark Tank. You know why? <laughs> yeah, created by <laughs> Ivan Van Norman, <laughs> but giving him no other credit whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll. Not at all. Well, you know this is broadcast live. Or, you know, thousands of people are stealing all these ideas. But you know what? Someone, I know. Oh, someone told me away. once. All my ideas are out the door now. Right. Oh, I, I think that's silly because the ideas are cheap. Like everybody can come up with the, with a great idea. But mm-hmm. you are one of the few people out there that will actually turn it into a reality. Right? Yeah. And that's the skill that's lacking for 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 you most. You have the most resources and the talent. Yeah. It's, it, it's it, thank you for that. That's that's very very sweet of you. I I just enjoy the fact that I've been I am surrounded by a lot of really talented people that I can come and bring these things to and it it there is an outlet for them like these are actually things that can be done and yeah. made, you right. know um it's super satisfying to to be able to float all the boats of the glorious interactive uh gaming community <laughs> um so many boats is game uh, the game one of your ideas was yeah, that one the of your... game, game the game was my 
was my response to let's get a board game show on Twitch. Mm. Let's not make tabletop, but let's do a board game show on Twitch. And ironically, it slowly became tabletop um, <laughs> over the course of it to the point of where Will like called it its tabletop sister show for a while. But it's evolved as the as the format has evolved too. It has a lot more of um, uh, kind of an editorial, what we like to call an editorial side of things like news and you know upcoming Kickstarters. It has like a Kickstarter. Um, showcase kind of segment to it now but yeah no i'm uh officially kind of like now that i'm not hosting that but i'm still taking a producer role on it i'm theoretically the executive producer on game the game um and then the producer executive producer on sagas of sundry and then um i'm working on another show right now which will shoot in january oh exciting yep Um, have you got a chance to look at uh uh, xanathar's guide to everything yet yes in fact i think i emailed about that earlier uh we saw the copy at the studio and it was very exciting so what do you think are you gonna uh uh, any ideas percolating for (sighs) some home campaigns maybe something that's not in front of a camera so here's the thing, yeah, because I have a home campaign right now at home in which I'm playing a, a, a Kenku cleric. Nice. So I'm I'm kind of already rolling with my Volos um, rule set <laughs> for that already. Rolling with my Volos. Why rolling didn't we put Volos. that on a T-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> rolling with Volos. Perfect. Um, but that's the that's the thing is 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 like the DM that's running that game for me. He's he's got a very because um, we have we have a, we have a couple of new people who are like casting uh, agents in the world oh. and they've never played role-playing games before but but you know but they obviously interact with actors all the time and so they're really excited about it so we're trying not to like overly complicate it too much for them right so we've got a little bit of like a, a blighted jungle um arc that we're going through at the moment uh seems so. to be the theme right about now yeah i know yeah which i thought was kind of fun um but that's really where i'm at i'm just i'm just enjoying sitting back and playing my kenku because i've loved kenku um ever since i was uh ever since i was first introduced to them um and it was like the fact that they just do mimicry and it's like a new way to to do role playing because you're having conversations using mimicry and you're not speaking directly i know some people play it where they can mimic talk but i like to play my kenku where it's literally just bird calls you know or shutter stalks or in like if if there's an encounter with Knowles and I'm I want to go up into the position where I'm gonna shoot with my crossbow, uh, I just describe him as making the sounds of shooting crossbow bolts and then I hop up to a rock. And that's the only communication that I bring to the table oh, as far that's so as interesting. the game goes. And then when because because he's a cleric and he's in the school of knowledge, so it's Kenku per the rules, Kenku can't provide any tactics to anything. They don't come up with original ideas, but they memorize like a beast. So I treat him a little bit like a walking tome and I try my best because normally I'm that type of player that wants to like get in there and and be the leader, like help bring the tactics and bring everybody together. Right. So for me, this homebrew game is testing my resolve to let other people figure it out and then I just become a resource when it's asked of me. So it's kind of like challenging my comfort levels a little bit. And then also having to, I, I imagine you role-playing it out so that you're uh, uh, explaining these tactics or ways that can be done only using sounds. Only sounds, I know. And so what, what happens is in the game, I've made little catchphrases or little sounds for each one of the party members because that's how Kenku oh. identify 
So then it's like the the ranger of the group, um, you know, maybe they made like a funny grunting sound at one point. And, you know, at, at some point in the table, I caught that and I say, OK, I'm going to mimic that that grunting sound like oh, and, and I'll do it on the table. like, <clears throat> And then when we so when we build tactics, I will say, OK, so um, Aha is going to run over to this part of the room and go <clears throat> and then take his mace and slap two of parts of the uh, of the brick so that the mortar crusts down and that may and he may have to identify what that means for him and they can choose not to use that information at all mm. but that's that's it's it's so much fun because it's it, it it gives me a filter that i have to role play through and it gives them another piece of story to interact with at least that's how i interpret it at the table that's pretty cool i like uh uh Choosing things that are outside your your wheelhouse mm -hmm. uh, sometimes to play can be the most it's, fun at a role playing table ever. It's so hard, Greg. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. But you can be like, oh my gosh, now I'm like, you know, because we all have tropes that we like and we fall back on. You know, uh, Shelley likes elven sorcerers. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, but then when you're forced to play, like, oh my gosh, I got to play, you know, mm -hmm. something that you're not familiar with, and then but you almost embrace that role more so than you would the tropes. Because you're not playing yourself. You're not playing yeah. the thing that you, or even, you know, what you identify yourself as, right? So you're playing as something completely foreign. And there's something so freeing about that while at the yeah. same time being really challenging. And it's so satisfying when they get it. Yeah. You know, and it's so satisfying when they get it. Um, and that's kind of like, uh, that was kind of where I, uh, that's where I'm at running with, with at least the, the Volo stuff. I did have the opportunity to play because I was in Satine and Rudy's um, Fury's Reach game, I got to play with some of the subclasses before you know they became official as well, too, a little bit. Yeah. Um, not my character specifically, because I just had uh, essentially a, um, uh, a bard that was in the College of... not It wasn't the College of Glamour, but it was... What college was he in? I have to remember. I love I loved that character. You guys had... Uh, uh, what a crazy group. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I am... Um, I loved him too. It's it. It was funny because Rudy basically handed me the character, and he's like, "You are, you are, you are doing romancing the stone, and you're <laughs> playing this." And I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna own it. If that's if if that's what the call, if that's what the need of the game is, then I'm going to be the most culturally insensitive bard that I could possibly be." So <laughs> <laughs> you go in, you go all in. It was fun. Uh, well, that's the point, right? If you're, what's the point of? What's the point of doing it if you don't do it? Like, so, how old are your kids? You're unwrapping some candy there for, for oh, the kids. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, there's pumpkin pie almonds. Don't judge me. <laughs> pumpkin pie almonds. Pumpkin like yeah. pumpkin spice. Like that's amazing. Yeah, pumpkin it's like everything. candied candied almonds that taste like pumpkin spice. So, oh, um, they're amazing. I want that. Uh, I want my, some now. They're awesome from Bates Nuts Farm. Wow. Yeah. Good, good, good local nut farm. <laughs> <laughs> Got a recommendation from from Ivan Van Norman yeah. for the nut farm. Good local yeah, nut farm. Good, good local nuts. <laughs> harvesting them, dumping them in the pumpkin pie seasoning. It's like <laughs> hot oil. Delicious. <laughs> Let the taste fall every moment you put one in your mouth. <laughs> so um, obviously you're trying to do some voiceover work uh, on the side as well. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because I, I, I have I have representation to do voice acting, but I I 
one of the parts about doing it, and I'm sure there's, you know, Matt and Jason Charles Miller and all these other people who, who do this for a living can attest to this much, much, much more than I can. But you have to put real time, real, real time into it's not just, oh, I can do good voices, but there's like so much auditioning, so much coming in and putting into it the local recording that you have to put together. And unfortunately, mm. I live in an area that is over, like, I'm right next to a private airport. So, I, I hadn't oh, noticed. You, yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Weird. Ryan, our sound guy, is just like, yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm in the worst place to record auditions. But I, I love it. And if given the opportunity to do more, I would love to do more. But I said that just is all about fitting it into that beautiful thing called the day. <laughs> <laughs> All you need to do is spend, uh, you know, twenty five thousand building a uh, completely soundproofed uh, room yeah. Uh, yeah. in your Easy apartment. Easy, just invest it all, you yeah. know, into my room that I, into my apartment that I rent. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, you <laughs> and just leave it there it. when you get or kicked take out. Take it with you. Oh, it's the best. I'm sure my landlord would love it. He'd be like, "Wow, I have an isolation." Your landlord studio, which... will say, "Oh, those Van Normans are so quiet." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he Swedish? Do you have a Swedish? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, have a Swedish I think landlord. I have a new yeah. voice. <laughs> On the monkey Shelley. <laughs> it's a little bit the guy from uh, from Frozen. The uh... Olaf. No, no. The, oh uh... no, the vendor. The vendor. What's his name? Yeah. Yeah, we're having a summer this summer blowout. Big summer blowout. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that guy. I was, I don't know. <laughs> Someone in chat will tell us. I think it was sure. because I said Van Norman. Van, yeah, which it's is dark. Dark. To be fair, um, but no, my Dutch? kids. My, my kid. I have one boy who's oh. two. Oh, a little young for the D and the D, but not really. No, no but he. But we. But I do. But he has the ABCs of RPGs, well, which is which is awesome. good. Which I have for him. It know, helps. It's a primer. Yeah, it's a prime, and I. He was he was actually the original inception of why to do it anyway, you know, because I was looking around and I couldn't find any good books that really like allowed me to um, encapsulate his nerd the nerddom that I wanted to share with him. Right. And so that's how that book kind of came into being is because I was like, I I want to make a children's book for my kid about things that I like. No. Right, not about the other stuff that's out there, which is really cool. But our stuff, which is a what? Which is really cool. There's good. There's good kids' books out there. But you're like, it doesn't so speak to me and my right. relationship with my yeah. son. And see, that's fine. And, and if, even if he, even if it's not something that he latches onto later in life, at least give him the opportunity. He knows what an owlbear is. His first word was dice. Oh wow, that. that's a good yeah. one. He loves dice. He he has this little plushy rainbow dash that he likes to hide all of his dice inside of because it's got a little zipper pocket. Oh, he made his it. own little dice bag. He made his own little dice bag. I didn't even think about that until you said it. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, damn it. That's amazing. Now he's going to oh, be your cooler. crafter. He's going to make all of your stuff for you. Oh, it's so good. And so he, he, he can't say meeple yet because I guess the P's hard for him. What is wrong with this kid? So he says meat dice. What? Meat dice? Daddy, 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 meat dice, meat dice. And he points at the games oh. that are on table. And he has a couple of ones that he loves. Um, fish Frenzy is his favorite. He, daddy, daddy, fish meat dice. Oh, my God. Oh my so God. he, I was going to ask, you think he's exhibiting signs of being a gamer? But, uh, yeah, I guess that the answer is yeah. yes. Well, and also all the habit games, dude. Like, the habit games are amazing. And I'm so surprised that more people don't have access to habit games with their kid. You know, I get that question all the time. People are like, oh, what games can I play with my kid? I'm like, go to Habba.com 
they have games for two-year-olds. That's okay. A, yeah. It's called My First Orchard, and you roll a dice. It has a color on it, and then they just have different color fruits, and you put it in the basket, and that's the game. So I give the dice to Phoenix. I say, Phoenix, roll the dice. He rolls the dice. He rolls a red. Phoenix, get the red apple and put it in the basket. And he's learning rules. I love oh, yeah. it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. that's good stuff, man. Uh, I think I'm going to go there and start getting game yeah. for, for, for my kids now. Yeah, um, held it works, Greg. I didn't yeah. get a chance to, to learn that. Yeah. So, th- that was a question. How old are you? Four and six. Uh, so, uh, they, my oldest, uh, you know, is, is much more of a gamer, I think, than my, my four-year-old are. She, she plays Stardew Valley and, and Minecraft and stuff like that. So, uh, I've, I've been reluctant to just foist Dungeons and Dragons on them. And I don't, I I want them to be like the perfect time. And maybe that's, I'm already putting too much emphasis on it. a matter of days, Edna's going to be DMing for you. I know. I know. She loves. She makes maps. She wants to make a druid. I felt like she would be down. Let it, let me, because here's the thing. As long as you're all having, I mean, you know this, Greg. As long as you're all having fun, it doesn't matter right. if it's if when it or where it, how it happens, or if they do none of the rules or some of the rules or however it's going to be. Yeah. Like, there's they could even literally just take dolls and make a little fort, and you could be role playing. They're doing oh. that already for sure. They already they the two of them play together all, constantly, and are you know they're they're they're. Already rules lawyering, lawyering with each other about like no I don't huh. want to do it that way I want to do it this way and all that so they're, <laughs> they're primed wrong. they're all ready they're to right. go they're, yeah you're primed to pump dude you just got you just got to let out the nozzle so. exactly well um, man I hate to, I feel like we we have like forty million topics that we need to get to but we need to close this down uh, where can people find out about you and all the fun stuff that you're doing that we we already covered it but like where's where's the best place for for folks to to find it. Honestly, uh, Twitter is the most accessible place to hit me up at. I'm at Hydra underscore Lord. Um, if you want to check out some of the games that I'm either publishing or working on, you can go to Hunter'sBooks.com. I've actually got a, uh, a role-playing game that we're kickstarting right now from Jonathan Gilmore, who made Dead of Winter, mm-hmm. called Kids on Bikes. Oh. Um, which is essentially, it's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not what you think it is, but it is what you think it is. Is it a kid's game? It's and no, it's a role playing. Okay, game. but for but not for kids. But you're playing kids on bikes, doing strange adventures in small towns. You know, <laughs> I, okay. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. There we go. Greg's got it. <laughs> so it's 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 you're, fun. It's lovely. Uh, otherwise, yeah, just Hydra underscore Lord everywhere. You're just all about skirting copyrights as much as you can. <laughs> you? Be fair. It's that the Jonathan Gilmore put that one up, and he um and he, I loved it. And there's to be fair, Goonies and Eight. Uh, what was it called? Um, uh, Super Eight. Super Eight. Yeah, yeah. and ET. I mean, the Kids on Bikes is my opinion. It is a genre of movie. I agree. You know, I agree. It is not exclusive to one very popular Netflix show. That is happening <laughs> right now, so. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much for calling in. I love all the stuff you're doing. Uh, we're going to connect even more, I think, uh, uh, in 2018. It's going to happen. I look forward to it. Well, we got TV shows to produce. We got so, yeah. like five yeah. at least that we pitched in this yeah, yeah. very podcast. Yeah. So, yeah it's going to happen. So, it's <laughs> right. Awesome, man. Take it easy. All right. Well, thank you so much thank for the time. You. Take care, everybody. You too. Bye, man. Bye. 
Sweet. Uh, really that excited was, to talk yeah, to him. He's got like a wealth of uh, uh, enthusiasm, yep. and uh, and I, I I wasn't just blowing smoke up, but he's got the ability to make it happen. It's, I know. it's all happening. It's great. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, so, uh, where do you think uh, we should go for this uh, outro, Shelley? Where should we go? Like in the world, should we go to the? We can't talk about Stranger Things. <laughs> right. We want to. We wanted to spoil it all for everyone. But if you haven't, watch the second season. Hurry up two. so we can talk about it. It's good stuff. Uh, we'll get confirmations from all of you that you have watched it. And yep. then we'll start talking about it yep. uh, in our spoilers podcast all about it. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? For, you can't spoil anything for your announcements. But, but I know like you want to. five days. Yeah. Next recording, so we'll spoil good. it all up. It's so good. Yeah. You guys are in for a so treat. Good. Uh, so good. We mentioned it in the intro, but uh, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen it, go uh, see uh, Chris Cox's uh, speech from Pax Unplugged. Yep. Uh, Dice Camera Action live from Pax Unplugged. Woo-hoo. Uh The Force Gray Survive the Tomb live uh, yes. from Brooklyn. And uh, Chris Perkins in Accretions Incorporated on Saturday from Pax Unplugged. You guys got lots of homework uh, as well as watching, watching all of the awesome stuff that uh, Ivan's been doing down at Geek and Sundry. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. Good thing we have a holiday coming up. Yeah, and I'm, I expect a, a report on my desk uh, uh, December 10th, please, before there you go on be vacation. A quiz. There will be an exam. Yes. We're going to have number two pencils yes. and scantrons. Stay in the bubble. <laughs> Stay in the bubble. It's true. Yes. You'd be the best teacher. I know. I missed my calling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Shelly, where can people find out about what you're doing at Avalon Hill? Well, you can follow Avalon Hill on Twitter, Avalon Hill 2, the number 2, or on Facebook, Avalon Hill Games. Nice. Or me on Twitter at Shelly Moe. If you want to, I mean, we talked about getting people into playing D&D in this podcast. Uh, Betrayal Baldur's Gate is a good way to do that. It's a great way. Yeah. That was another one that Ivan played. On game the game. God, we didn't even talk about that. I know. I know. We got to get to that because he played the first actual copy that you had, right? It was like an actual yeah. Off like the he like ripped copy. it out of my hands and like little pack of hyenas. There was four people tearing it open and then they were playing it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. He's a big fan of the original. So. Um, you can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito. Ask me anything you want about uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and what we're doing here on this year Twitch channel. Uh, and uh, follow Wizards underscore DND on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook. And uh, if you haven't been watching us record this live on the on the Twitch channel, please go ahead and do that. Twitch.tv slash DND. All episodes of Force Gray are going to be live by the time you watch this uh, for this season two. So Great. please watch all those. Totally bingeable, like a, a certain Netflix show. Yes. Uh, and you can get all prepared for the premiere, uh, or premiere, the finale, right. totally the opposite of premiere, the right. finale <laughs> of uh, that season uh, in Brooklyn, uh, Force Gray Survive the Tomb. Uh, coming up very soon. How's your Instagram going? Really well. I've yeah. got I've got some followers. Okay, good. Yeah, it's getting better. I don't remember if I followed you. Yet. I am also I will. on the uh, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram as well. Okay. Good stuff. I'll follow. You. All right, we're out of here. Uh, may you always roll with advantage. Is that what I? That was. It changes I'm, every time. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to have a, 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 a sign-off catchphrase sign, here. The catchphrase, the purpose of it is to say the same thing every time. May you always say the same thing every time. <laughs> Bye, you guys. We'll be back Bye. with Dragon Time.